Good morning. Bob Vila pioneered the concept of home improvement television. His show, This Old House, premiered in 1979 on a local Boston television station. It was an instant hit and was subsequently picked up by PBS and gained a national audience. Obviously, it tells us that people prefer watching rather than doing the step-by-step process of home renovation. Well, this morning, we're going to see God's episode of this old house. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. And I want you to notice the introduction in verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Now, the major difference is that the house that God is concerned about is not located on a street somewhere. It's your body. In chapter 4, verse 7, he referred to our bodies as a clay pot. Now he's referring to our body in the concept of a house. And God's not in the renovation business. He's not doing home improvements. In God's plan, this old house gets torn down, and we get a brand new house from heaven. Now, I want us to see this passage in three scenes. The earthly tent, the heavenly house, and borrowing from another TV show, moving on up. First, the earthly tent. Notice verse 1 again. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, when it comes to houses, there are all shapes and sizes. There are mansions and there are shacks. I have a new neighbor. I have not met my neighbor yet because he bought the house two years ago and he has been adding on ever since. When he bought the house, it was three times as big as my house, and now it's at least six times as big as my house. I tell people I live in the servants' quarters. Now, using the analogy of houses, Paul says, you're not really in a house. You're in a tent. And we know from Acts 18.3 that Paul was a tent maker by trade, so he knew the difference between a portable tent and a permanent building. How many of you have spent the night in a tent? Good. You'll understand this passage better. What can we say about a tent? Let me give you three things I know about tents, and I don't know much about tents. Number one, a tent is unsecure. A tent is not a fortress. You can't put a deadbolt on a tent and lock people out. We've all heard stories about bears attacking people in a tent because a tent is not secure. If you're in a tent and a storm comes up, 
you're going to have problems because a tent can't withhold strong winds. I don't imagine that when we have a tornado warning, you say, kids, let's all go out back and get in a tent. It's unsecure. Second, a tent is uncomfortable. It's an understatement to say that my father was not an outdoorsman. So growing up as a kid, I didn't know anything about camping. In fact, I never was in a tent until I was an adult. And I have probably spent a total of two weeks of my life in a tent. One was preaching at a chapel youth camp years ago. And it was the most rustic camp I've ever been to. I thought, you know, we can do better than this. But I'm speaking and they put my family and me in a tent. Uh, The other time was uh, whitewater canoeing in North Carolina on a limited budget. And the only other time, I really wasn't in a tent, but hitchhiking across the United States, sleeping on the ground. Now, given a choice between sleeping in a sleeping bag on the ground or sleeping in a hotel, I don't know about you, but I would choose the hotel every time. Now, when it comes to camping, the first night can be exciting. Not necessarily restful, but exciting. And then pretty soon you realize there are mosquitoes, there's dampness, there's heat, there's the sound of other campers snoring. It's not very comfortable. Look at verse 2. For indeed in this house, or this tent which is a house, we groan. Anybody groaning in your tent? I hear you. So when Paul says your body is a tent, that means it's not always comfortable. And then the third thing we can say about a tent is that a tent is temporary. Look again at the first part of verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. Now, the word if is not referring to whether it's going to get torn down. It's when it's going to get torn down. Tents get old. The canvas gets thin. It gets torn. It gets dry rotted. The ropes get frayed. The tent pegs get loose. It sags. So does your body. It's a tent. It's temporary. The older you get, the more you notice that they're making stairways steeper than they used to. And that books and Bibles have started using smaller print. And your arms aren't long enough to read the paper anymore. And that people talk softer than they used to. And they mumble. (laughs) And that it gets colder in the winter and it gets hotter in the summer. And you're thinking, this global warming thing, there's something to it. I looked on the internet and put together a top 10, I made it 12, ways you know you're getting old. Number 12, you feel like it's the morning after and you haven't been anywhere. (laughs) 
your little black book contains only names that end in MD. You sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. Your back goes out more than you do. Number seven, the little old gray-haired lady you help across the street is your wife. Six, you sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. And this is my favorite, I don't know why. Number five, you sing along with the elevator music. Four, you enjoy hearing about other people's operations. Number three, people call at 7 p.m. and ask, did I wake you? <laughs> Two, you have a dream about prunes. And number one way you know you're getting old, your ears are hairier than your head. You're living in a tent. It's unsecure, it's uncomfortable, and it's temporary. Second scene is the heavenly house. Look at verse 1 again. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is the heavenly house? It's our glorified body. And unlike our earthly tent, it's secure. In fact, the word building comes from two Greek words, meaning a built house, a structure, an edifice. It's secure. And just to accent how solid and secure it will be, he adds, not made with hands. Bob Villa won't touch this house. Whenever a man builds a house, there's always a few flaws, a few mistakes, a few regrets. He says, this is not going to be man-made. It won't be touched by man. It will be perfect. It is heavenly and from God. Secondly, unlike our earthly tent, it's comfortable. Look at verse 2. For indeed in this tent or house we groan, Longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Paul says we're groaning. Why are we groaning? Because we're not comfortable in this tent. We long for something more than this body can offer us. We feel the limitations of this body. We find so often that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we groan. Did you know that it's scriptural to groan? Let me show you a verse. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 22. Romans 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans 
and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. This groan is a groan of anticipation. It's like the groan of childbirth. It's anticipating the delivery. It's a groan of faith. And what are we anticipating? He says at the end of verse 23, we're anticipating the redemption of our bodies. You've already been redeemed in your spirit, but your body has not yet been redeemed. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're groaning for. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, we're longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And then look at verse 3. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. Now, I like the fact that, that Paul mixes metaphors here because sometimes I do that. So he's talking about houses, and now he switches to wardrobes. And he says, we're, we feel like we're naked now, and we want to be clothed with our clothing, our wardrobe from heaven. I was at a wedding years ago when I was younger, and, and uh, it may have been back when I only had one suit. I don't remember, but I, I, I've been over at the wedding and ripped out the entire seat of my pants. Just, just, you know that feeling where there's a breeze? You're going, whoa, 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 that's not comfortable. That's very uncomfortable. And so what do you do? You stand upright like this all the time so your coat covers up the fact that your pants seat is ripped out. Can't sit down. Want a seat? No, thanks. I'll just stand here. And you get through it. Very uncomfortable situation to be in. He says, in this body, we're like being naked in comparison to being clothed with the body that he has planned for us. Look at verse 4. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. We are groaning because we have an immortal inner man inside of a mortal outer man. And that's not comfortable. We have eternal life inside a dying body. And so he says we groan and we long to be clothed with our house from heaven because it it is going to fit perfectly. It's going to be comfortable. And then unlike our earthly tent, it's eternal. People ask me all the time, what's our glorified body going to be like? Well, listen to this verse. Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. If you want a preview of what your future house, your future body is going to be like, just look at Jesus in his resurrected, glorified body. Look in the Gospels, look in the book of Revelation, see what he's like, 
and you'll get a clue. He went through closed doors. He appeared. He disappeared. He ascended through the clouds without a spacesuit, without a spaceship. And yet he ate. Some of you are saying amen. You're going to eat in heaven? Absolutely, there's going to be a feast there. He ate. He spoke. The disciples touched him. That's what your glorified body is going to be like. A lot of people say, well, we're going to be like, we're going to be angels sitting on a cloud playing a harp. No. You're going to be like Jesus. It's a physical body in the sense that it could be touched. He ate, so forth, but a body so different from this one that he could ascend right into the universe, which tells me that in the future, we're going to be traveling around. I don't think God created this whole universe so we would be located in one little spot. I got a feeling, I, I like to travel, so I'm planning on it. So unlike your earthly tent, your heavenly house will be secure, a brick house. It will be comfortable, no more groaning, and it will be eternal. No sagging, no decaying, no dying. And then scene three, moving on up. You know what they say about real estate. The most important thing about real estate is Location, location, location. Well, the same applies here. You see, it's not just about longing for a new house. It's about longing for a new location. I want to go from earth to heaven. But more importantly, it's not just about longing for a new body. It's about longing to be with the Lord. Now look at verse 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, therefore being always of good courage. Now, get this. Though we are groaning, we're not complaining. We're not discouraged, and we're not second-guessing God. In fact, this verse tells us God intends for us to experience this tension. He prepared us for this purpose. He put us eternal life in a dying body. He put us in this tension spot where we're groaning. This is his plan. In fact, if you look at the end of verse 5, we find out that God is here with us. He gave us his spirit as a pledge. So not only am I in a new spirit inside this mortal body, but the Spirit of God is inside this mortal body. And if he can handle this, guess what? I can handle this. Then look at verse 6 again. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by faith sight. We're always of good courage. That means we are confidently cheerful. And we know that even though we have the Spirit of God living in us, guess what? We are absent from the Lord Jesus. And that's really our desire. And so how do I live right now? I walk by faith, not by sight. 
Remember what he said at the end of chapter 4? While we look at the things, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. One of the things that is not seen is Jesus Christ. But I live viewing him through the eye of faith. And then verse 8 adds, We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Again, we are confidently cheerful, and we have this as our preference, to be out of this body and at home with the Lord. I have as my desire to see Jesus. And you know what's going to happen when I see Jesus? 1 John 3, 2 says, We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Wow. How many of you have moved recently? How many of you have moved more than 10 times in your life? That's a lot of people. What's moving day like? It's kind of a combination of stressful and excited. A lot of work, you're tired, but you're, you're excited if you're moving into a new house that maybe you're excited about and you're leaving behind the old house that you never fixed everything up in anyway. You just watched this old house. You never did anything about it. So you move into a new, So you're kind of excited, but you're tired and you're stressed and it's moving day. Well, you've never had a moving day like you're going to have. Because look at the end of verse 8. It says, to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. When we vacate this body, we move home with the Lord. And what I like is no packing, no U-Hauls. We leave behind this body, it's torn down. And we go to be home with the Lord. That's what death is for the believer. It's moving on up. Paul referred to his impending death in 2 Timothy 4, 6 as the time of my departure. I like that. He didn't say I'm about to die. He said I'm about to leave this tent behind and go be home with the Lord. I'm about to move from the tent, which is temporal, to the eternal house. In Philippians 1.21, Paul says this, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Let me ask you something. Can you say that? Is that your attitude toward death? Like Paul, are you wanting to go but willing to stay? Or are you willing to go but wanting to stay? There's a lot of difference. If you're groaning and longing to be with the Lord... If you really understand the glory of heaven and understand the person of Christ, then like Paul, you will say, my longing, my desire, my want 
is to be with the Lord. But if he wants me to stay here longer, I'm willing to do that for the short term. When we understand this passage, that we live in a tent, it's temporary, it's uncomfortable, it's ultimately going to be torn down, then we will focus our eyes on the fact that we have a house in heaven God is preparing And one day, we're going to be with Jesus. One day, we will no longer have to walk by faith. We will see him face to face. I trust that that's the desire of your heart. Let me ask you a personal question in closing today. Where will you be five seconds after you die? Where are you going to be? I would suggest there's three answers to that question. There is the calloused answer. I don't care. I run into people who tell me that. I've heard the gospel. I understand the gospel. I really don't care where I'm going to be five seconds after I die. There's the calloused answer. There's the confused answer. I don't know. There is no more... There is no more important question in life than where am I going to be five seconds after I die? And a lot of people say, I don't know. Well, if you don't know today, I can tell you you can know by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's the calloused answer, I don't care. There's the confused answer, I don't know. And there's the confident answer, I know. Look at verse 1 again. For we know. Paul doesn't say we hope. He doesn't say we dream that this might be true. He doesn't say we wish, wish, wish this would happen. He says we know. Why? Because we have the confidence of God's word and God's promise to us. Can you say, I know? That five seconds after I die, actually it won't take that long. It'll be a nanosecond after I die. I will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. I will go from naked to clothed. I will go from groaning to celebrating beyond anything I ever could anticipate in the presence of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's all based on grace. It's all based on the cross It's all based on what Jesus did for you and not one thing that you did for yourself. And that's why the gospel is so great. That's why it is good news. That's why grace is so amazing because it's all God's work and none of yours. And so this confidence is not because I've done anything. It's not an arrogant confidence. It's a humble confidence as we heard in the song today. I die to myself and he resurrects me to confidence in Jesus Christ and not myself. And if you don't know that confidence today, if you can't say, I know where I'm going to spend eternity, then I invite you today to come to know Jesus Christ. His arms are open wide just as they were when he hung on the cross and paid the price for your sin, and he invites you today to come into a relationship with him. Let's stand, have the praise team come back. We're going to sing a couple songs in closing. We're going to see a couple baptisms illustrating this concept. If you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you to come down front, even while we're singing, 
we'd be happy to sit and talk to you about your relationship with the Lord and show you how you can come to know him today.